0: Matthew chapter 8, please. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, by way of announcements again, uh, church picnic, we will be, uh, Barbara's running a game for us. Uh, to, there's many prizes, uh, you know, a couple thousand dollar prizes here and there. <laughs> um, so feel free to join us in that part. Uh, if uh, We'll be doing cornhole and uh, bocce ball and and uh, all kinds of fun stuff out there. We'll be testing your Bible trivia knowledge. Uh, so please feel free to join us. Matthew chapter 8. And you know with everything, how busy things are today, my notes are in there. I'll be right back. feel like I'm going to do change of clothes for a minute. All right. This is how much we're covering today, just want you to know. Um, Matthew chapter 8, and we've been continuing to look at the life of Jesus as Matthew presents it, and uh, he is looking and been giving us a view of Jesus from a Hebrew or a Jewish point of view. Okay, remember, the d- different gospel writers wrote about Jesus in a different way to present him differently. Matthew is saying, this is Jesus he is your messiah he is the promised one that you've been told about for thousands of years he is the one that God said would sit on the throne of David uh, and so Matthew went ahead and is presenting him as king okay over and over and we've been looking very closely the last couple of weeks at the miracles of the king okay and we're going to continue looking at that we had seen well I'll just one don't want to get ahead of my notes here this morning so I have this up here uh, the, starting in chapter 8 to verse 10, that we see the miracles of the king. There are about 38 miracles recorded in, or 37 miracles recorded in the Bible. And Matthew has chosen those ones that are specific to present Jesus as Messiah, how he fulfilled Old Testament scripture. And we've looked at that. All right, keep going. We have, <clears throat> excuse me, the healing of the leper. We've already looked at that. Okay, we, the centurion servant, we've already looked at that. And Peter's mother-in-law, we've already looked at that. So today we're going to be looking at Jesus calming the storm. So continue if you would. Okay, miracle number one, uh, four, power over the storm. All right, so let us look at this chapter, uh, verse 23 through verse 27 with me this morning. And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came unto him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And what an amazing miracle this must have been. Lord, uh, we've had some interesting weather this summer and some pretty intense rainstorms and things like that, and uh, helped my parents down in Florida clean up after a bad hurricane, and. Lord, we see some of these natural disasters that we call them storms that come through and people get themselves so wound up about it. So I can understand how these apostles must have been fearful. But Father, it just took but a word from you and you calmed the storm. But Father, there's so much more for us to understand from this. And Lord, uh, I have a small human mind uh, Lord, there's no way I could grasp all we're going to speak of this morning. But Lord, I just pray that you would guide my thoughts as I put into words what your word shows us. And Lord, touch each one of our hearts. Um, Lord, there is so much to take in and so much to understand about how mighty you are. And Lord, there again, there is absolutely no way I can put into human language the immense power that you have but lord i just pray that your word would help us to understand how you use that power in regards to us as human beings it is amazing so father i just uh, pray again guidance thank you lord i don't know what everybody's going through today but when we think about jesus calming a storm There have been so many times when we ourselves have been having some hardships. There's been some storms in our lives. And Lord, we can take great comfort to know that we can have a saving relationship with the one who can calm any storm. So Father, thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I keep clearing my throat, I know it's irritating, but you're going to have to deal with me this morning. So we are looking at... The power over the storm. Now, I want you to understand this historically happened. Now, we're going to uh, be reminded this morning about three applications of Scripture. Okay, there are three applications of Scripture always. Historically, God records something that happened. Okay, there is the doctrinal, so historically, doctrinally, what is he trying to teach us from what happened? Okay, and then personally or devotionally, how do you apply that to your life? Okay, there are a lot of things. Uh, we talk about the Lamb of God. And remember, through the, old, the whole Old Testament, there was always a lamb that was sacrificed at, uh, for the sins, right? And John the Baptist comes and reminds us that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Doctrinally, that's it. All those uh, young lambs that were killed through the Old Testament wasn't because God hated sheep, Okay? It is because he wanted to t- paint a picture very vividly that someday someone would come and be the sacrifice that would take care of all of it. Okay? And the Lord Jesus came and d- did that for us. And then personally, with that, we can ap- apply that because how many of us talk about, even the Bible talks about that we are his flock, we are his sheep. Okay? So, because of what Jesus Christ did, we now can become. Sheep that follow the Lord Jesus Christ so often. We're going to look at that this morning. So, again, this actually happened. Okay, this is historical, and that's what I love about the Bible. You guys know me. I'm a science nut, I'm a physics nut. Uh, the other night, my wife calls down. She says, What are you doing? Because it was later at night, and I'm on my phone watching videos about physics. And I'm, she's like, I, You know, I don't know if I even yelled that up to her. I'm like, I'll be up in a minute, you know, and I'm watching this thing about. You know, uh, polarized, sit- and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm just a science nut. <clears throat> and I love over and over and over when science confirms God's word. So many times they talk about faith and science are opposing to one another. No, they're not. It's just your conclusion is opposing. Okay, so often we see God's truth prove out what science says, science is changing. God's word never changes. How many of you still here, if you're one of these folks, just keep your hand down because I don't want to make fun of you. If you're a flat earther, okay, I won't, y'all keep that to yourself, okay? But how, for how many years did people believe that the earth was flat? Well, you don't want to know something? Several thousand years before that, the Bible wrote that the earth was round. It says it right in the scripture. But science, okay? How many years did uh, m- uh, mankind in science say the Earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it? And guess what? The Bible says that the sun is the center, and everything revolves around it. Science finally caught up. Over and over and over, this happens, and I love it because I'm a science nut. <clears throat> so biblically this truly did happen jesus there's many instances and we're going to read in mark that it wasn't just one boat okay there were multiple boats involved with this scenario but now because i'm such a science nut and because there's a lot of deep thinking in the bible sometimes i need to lead you in that direction okay because the truth of this and again i don't want to belittle this we are talking about seasoned fishermen who knew what it was like to be out in a boat in the sea in rough weather. These guys were panicking. All right? They were panicking. So this must have been quite the storm. You ever been out deep sea fishing? I've been out deep sea fishing. And sometimes you get those little three-foot swells, and it's like nothing. Right? Then you might get a little bit more Or I remember my father-in-law and I were driving over to Nova Scotia on the ferry, and that boat we had such a storm and this, this is a big this has got cars like 70 or 80 cars in the bottom of it you know it's a big boat and we're hearing we're feeling it go up out of the wave and then it's cresting and you can hear the uh props coming out of the water on the backside. Wah, you know and boosh, and the water is not only going over the first deck but it's going over the second deck we're in the second deck and there's waves washing right by and we're like uh not cool Okay, and you they closed everything down. They w- tied everything up. We're trying to walk from one side of the boat to the other and getting slammed against the walls and everything. And I thought, okay. And I'm looking at the guy who usually serves the drinks and the you know, sodas and stuff. And he's just got his book out. No phones back at that point. He's got his book out. Yeah, there, I, I actually lived at a point where there was no phones. Can you believe that? Okay, uh, and he's just sitting there calmly, you know. Every once in a while, he's got to catch his balance. But I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this guy's not freaking out. These guys were freaking out. To give you an illustration of what's going on, this is pretty intense. This storm that they're going through. <clears throat> so, historically, this really happened. This was a bad news storm. Let's go to the next point, though Doctrinally, this teaches us that Jesus has power over the entire universe. There's more to it than that. So I have to build this with you a little bit. Okay. Because there's so much more depth to this teaching that you and I need to understand. So bear with me. We're going to take a big bite out of this. Okay. And so stretch and put your thinking caps on. I want you to see what the Bible says about this. All right? Outer space is called the deep and the sea and waters in the Bible. Okay, so bear with me. So we're talking about Jesus saying, let's go over to the other side. And when they're in the midst of the sea, there's this tempestuous storm. It's all awful. And Jesus has power over that. He controls it. In Mark, we're going to read in a minute uh, that Jesus says, let's go to the other side. That was Jesus' plan right from the very beginning. I want to take you to the other side. And then storms come up, and Jesus is like, easy, got this covered. Well, in the Bible, when he talks about the sea, and if you've ever been there, keep going. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. How many times have we read this? Okay, we get the end of the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and, right? And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, this is before God divided the earth into the Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, all those different oceans. There were waters in early times in creation. Bear with me. Okay, We're going to build this real quick. Okay, uh, Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And God said, let the firmament be in the midst of the waters, and let it be divided the waters from the waters. And God made a firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters that are above the firmament okay i know i'm crash coursing you in this those of you who um, were in the study on the book of revelation may have a little bit more uh, background in this but god took all these waters and made some waters down below here at the earth and he made some waters up above okay so just bear with me because we're talking about jesus having power over the waters and the seas keep going <coughs> It's evident where God dwells. Psalm 148, 1 through 5. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise his name in the heights. Or praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye sun, moon, and star. Or sun, moon, praise him, all ye stars of light. Keep going. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens. Ye waters that are above the heavens. Catch that. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. So there are waters above the heavens. With me? Stay with me. Okay. Keep going. Psalm 104, 1 through 5. Blessed the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Keep going who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. Now I've got to stop you just for a minute because I want us to stay together so that we're all on the same page. Where does God dwell right now? Where is he? In heaven, his chambers, his throne room are laid in where? In heaven. Where did God lay the beams of his chambers? In the waters. Okay, we're not talking about Atlantic. We're not talking about Pacific. Okay, we're talking about waters that are above us in the heavens. You know, I'm a science nut. Let me tell you a couple things real quick. You know, just recently they realized science said, you know what? Outer space is completely full of ice. It's like a great ocean full of water. We didn't even know it. Okay, it's just the immenseness of space is like a great sea. Hmm, interesting. It came out just like two years ago. Science said, You know what we discovered? That there are waves that travel through outer space, just like you see in a mighty ocean. They're waves. I said, Hmm. You mean just like God said? That above the heavens where he dwells, where his chambers, where his throne room is, it's set upon the waters? Hmm. Love when God just continues to remind science that he's been right the whole time. So you see this. God has separated the waters. There's waters here on earth, but there is a a deep, a great ocean above. Now, I told you to stay with me, because this doesn't sound like technical science terms because the bible was written a couple thousand years ago but god is saying there are waters above it as a matter of fact god's throne room has set upon waters hold that thought with me okay okay oh no oh, i didn't read the rest of that verse okay who walketh upon the winds of the word uh the wind who maketh his angels spirit minister spirits of fire who layeth the foundations of the earth that should not be removed forever now go <laughs> Okay, it is where Satan roams. Now, bear with me. I I told you we're stretching it a little bit. God dwells in this area that's above these waters. Okay, but the devil himself, who is a real creature. Okay, and if you think he's got a pitchfork and a little red tail, we're coming up on Halloween pretty quick here. You're going to see a lot of people dressed like that. That is not what the, the, the devil looks like. The Bible calls him an angel of light. He can pretend to be just like one of God's angels. If you ever ran into him, Lord forbid, he don't look, he's not in a red rubber suit. Okay? He is a spiritual being. He has a place where he roams. Look, in that day, in Isaiah, with his sore and great and strong sword, he will punish Leviathan, that piercing serpent, Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, he shall slay the dragon that is in the what? The sea. Now you, I know where your brain goes. Oh yeah, Leviathan, that's like a hippopotamus. Okay, that's what you read when some of these commentaries. Okay, I'm not going to teach on this. If you want to go look in uh, Job chapter 41, God describes Leviathan as this in the very last verse he is the king over the children of pride you tell me that's a lizard okay we know god uses this term to describe the devil quite often this dragon lizard serpent right you know that if you don't next slide revelation and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called who The devil, and who? Which deceived the world and cast him to the earth. So God says, that old serpent, the devil, Leviathan, that crooked, piercing, nasty thing. Okay, we already heard about him all the way back from Adam and Eve, right? Who tempted Eve in the garden? Was a serpent? Okay, I I just want you to understand. you got to stay with me. Well, God says that he's going to judge him who dwells in the sea. Now, if you haven't got it yet, and there's been many pictures drawn, many pirate stories. If you're a fan of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or anything else, they'll have these kraken that come up and attack the ships because that's the Leviathan that dwells in the sea. Okay, God is not talking about that the devil himself dwells in the Atlantic or the Pacific. God says he dwells in waters. But it's not the waters that you and I can get our feet wet in. It's the waters where God has laid his beams upon. It is the waters that are represented by that heaven, that waters in the heaven. Now, how many of your brain is twisted already? All right, you're all going, "Ah, please bear with me. This is so important because the teaching here, and I know I'm giving you a crash course in this, but keep going. It separates the first and the third heavens and the Bible talks about their heavens there are three heavens. the first heaven is where the birds fly, where you know we're breathing the air right here and back in Genesis, this is pretty easy to understand and if you want to read it in the Psalms, God breaks it down. He talks about the stuff in the first heaven, angels and everything worshiping him. he talks about the second heaven, the stars moon, sun, moon, and stars and all those things in it and he talks about uh, Try that backwards. Third, uh, third, second verse. And the first heaven where the birds fly and where the trees grow and all that. So the first heaven is where we are. Second heaven is outer space. Third heaven is where God dwells. All right? I know this is crash course. Please bear with me. Okay? So there is a division, something that separates us from God's throne. Okay? If you have any belief in God, any understanding what a future heaven is you understand that the heaven where god dwells is separated from the rest of us we can't take an outer space ship and warp our way to heaven okay there is a division there is something that separates us from that okay and that is the sea that is this deep that is these waters god laid his beams his foundation upon them his heaven is above all this with me please because we're going to boil this down to a point that's going to help us make all kinds of sense all right so keep going deuteronomy says behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the lord thy gods the earth also so there is a heaven and there is a heaven of heavens there are multiple heavens the first second and third okay before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal in the midst of the throne round about the throne where the four beasts that are full of eyes behind god says listen i've got a throne room remember we just talked about it he's laid the bars the, the beams of his foundation of his chamber on these waters right here god's talking about in those days when we get up to heaven someday right before god's throne is a crystal sea how many of you have we've sung that song Beside the crystal sea over there. Okay, because God's throne room is set above these waters. You bearing with me still? Okay, keep going. Job, the waters are hid as with a stone. The face of the deep is frozen. Thou can now can bind the sweet influence of Pleiades and the bands of Orion. Can thou bring forth Masaroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus? With his sons. Any idea what Orion is? It's a constellation. You want to know what the rest of those are? Pleiades. Mercurius. They're all constellations. So get this. God is saying in outer space. He says there's like a stone covering. There's like a. Remember we read a couple verses ago. That God has put it out like a garment. Like a veil. It's hidden. You can't see it. He says and in that place is constellations. Hang with me, all right? This is so important. Okay, keep going. Revelation, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over his number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having their harps of God. We're talking about heaven someday. Heaven is above this ocean, this sea that is frozen like glass. What did we say? Science said outer space is full of ice. Hmm. Okay, keep going. And they sing a song of Moses, the servant of God, and a song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord, God Almighty, just and true are thy word, thou king of saints. God's dwelling place is above all this, but between us and him is a great sea, a deep. Now you got that. That's the whole point. That's why I told you all this. That's why we read all those verses. Because of where God dwells and where we dwell, between us there's a great ocean, a great deep, a great expanse, and we can't cross over to the other side. Okay, we just said, can't take a spaceship there. It's hidden with a stone. It's capped with ice. It's put a veil like a curtain. Uh, man, I could go into this. Guys, on Wednesday night, you know this. Yeah. Uh, they'll take the Hubble telescope and they'll point it to a place in the universe somewhat north of here. And you know what they find out there? Absolutely nothing. They look out there and say, We don't understand, but right up there we can't see anything It's all nothing. We can't see it It's all hidden and some have postulated And you go look this up Wikipedia if you want to they'll say well It's like the star nursery This is their excuse. That's where the baby stars are growing. We just don't see them yet You know what my Bible tells me there's a spot that God is hidden In outer space that no man can see It's veiled it's covered So isn't it interesting that the scientists will look up there and not find anything? They can look everywhere else in the universe and see tons and tons of stars everywhere. That there's one place in the universe that they look and they can't see. It's void of anything. They can't discover what's out there. Interesting. Just trying to tell you again how God's universe, his creation, supports exactly what the Bible has said down through the years. All right, keep going. Someday God will make all things new and there will be no more separation now That's the key. That's what we've been I built all that up to get us to the point where we're here God's here and there's something there separating us And god calls it a sea a great deep a water You want to know what happens in the end when god finally makes everything brand new God makes all these things god god brings us all one And we're all in glory with him that has received Jesus Christ as Savior. Look what it says. At the end, when it's all new, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more what? No more sea. Now catch that. God just said, before his throne, when the saints are standing with harps in heaven someday, they're going to be standing on a sea of glass. So how, what can God mean if there's no more sea? Doesn't that make, isn't he contradicting himself? If they're all up there, we're someday going to be standing beside a crystal sea that's proceeding out of the throne of God. How can God say there's no more sea? He's talking about the sea that's dividing us from God. We're separated from him by this immense Waters. So when God makes it all new and brings everything together again and we're all in eternity forever with him, he says, and there's no more sea. There's nothing anymore to divide us from God. This creation is no longer separated out into the fallen world that it is now. He makes all things new. Okay. Hopefully we're done stretching our brains for a minute and we can put more of this together. Hey, that was a stretch. I got you. Thank you so much. I know you, some of you got a headache. All right. Keep going. Doctrinally, Jesus not only has the power of this Sea of Galilee where he was on the ship with the boys, also called Sea of Tiberias or the Tiberias Sea or the Sea of Gennesaret. Okay, if you're reading in your Bible and you come up with those thoughts, this is the same place. Okay, the Sea of Galilee. He has power over all this whole universe. So when we read this and Jesus says, peace, be still, and the storm stops, understand it's just not that little sea that he's controlling. He's got everything under his control. Every piece of this universe, every molecule in my body, God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. Keep going. So the ultimate truth, now get this, and we'll read this in Mark in a minute, so hang with me. But Jesus said, let's get into the boat, and I'll take you to the other side. That's Jesus' goal. He wants to take us to the other side. The ultimate truth here in the Bible, what we're trying to look at, Jesus is the only one who can bring us to the other side. If there is something separating us from God and his throne room, where the beams of his chamber are, where this crystal sea is, where the saints will stand Jesus is the only one who can, has the power to do that, guys. Now, that I told you all that to get to this point. He is the one that can bring us through the physical and spiritual divide that separates us from God. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior? Because God is in an amazing heavenly throne room. That his throne is sea of glass with rainbow and everything else that's there. But there's only one way you and I can get there. And that's trusting in Jesus to bring us through the storms. He has control. There's so much here to understand. This is not just Jesus looking it out. Oh, it's kind of windy and uh, wavy out here. Be still. The picture is, he can bring us to the other side, whatever has separated you. Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Because he's the only way we can cross this sea and make it to the other side. Keep going. How many times do we sing about this and say, man, the story's all over. The Bible has many times we talk about how did the children of Israel get to the promised land when they left Egypt, right? You can still see in your mind Charlton Heston standing up, let my people go, right? And they get to the Red Sea, what does he do? He brings them to the other side, which is where the promised land is. We talk about that with the Jordan River. We talk about all. So we sing tons of song on Jordan's stormy banks. I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land. I'm bound for the promised land, meaning I need to cross to the other side. That's this imagery, guys. We're not just talking about oh, well, uh, they had to walk on the other side of the river because that's where they were going to build their houses. No, the imagery is God wants to bring us to eternity with Him. We need to cross over, and Jesus is the only one that has the power to do that. That's what this miracle really pictures. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they're freaking out. We're never going to make it. What's Jesus doing? Sleeping? We're going to read in Mark in just a minute. You'll see it when we read it. it the boat is filling up with water. It, it actually, the word the Bible uses is full. And it says, and Jesus is asleep on his pillow. Jesus wasn't worried about getting to the other side, because he knew they'd make it, because he promised he'd take them, all right, amen, all right, so keep going. Personally or devotionally, look at, oh, look at that, Ark chapter 4, turn to the book of Ark, please, if you're not familiar with that one. Sometimes, sometimes we have typos. Mark chapter 4. I ain't perfect. Leave me alone. Okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark is recall, recant, or recounting or retelling this same story. <coughs> Look at verse 35. And the same day... When the evening was come, he said to them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took even as was in the ship, and there were with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves and beat the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and seas obey him? He said, come on guys, let's get in the ship. We're going to go to the other side. Jeez, oh, not yet. Sorry, I didn't read those other ones yet. Jesus has a plan for your life. You believe that? Okay, one of you believes that You believe Jesus has a plan for your life? All right, five of you. How many of you out there believe Jesus has a plan for your life? All right, there you go, I know it. All right, that was one of Billy Graham's most common first line when introducing people to Jesus is that God loves you and he has a plan for you. There was his three points. God loves you, has a plan for you. There's a sin problem. That keeps us from fulfilling God's plan, and Jesus is the one who came to cure us from the sin. Those were his three main points. God has a plan for you, He has a plan for me. Number one, He's not willing that any should perish. He wants all of us to make it to the other side with Him. That's what this whole imagery about Jesus having that power is He is capable of taking us to the other side. I can cross the Jordan, I can cross the Red Sea, I can get from here to heaven because of Christ. But that's not all. Personally, knowing that Jesus has a plan for me, sometimes that plan isn't fun. Here are these seasoned sailors, fishermen by trade. Their father was a fisherman. They've been doing it their whole life. And these guys are freaking out. Sometimes things come into our lives that cause us to have a freak out. I've been there. I look around and say, I just can't process this. Lord, this is way too much for me. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I know you have a plan for my life. And if the plan for my wife, uh, life, wife, the plan for my life is that I got to suffer through a little storm for your glory okay now does that make it easier that always just takes care of the problem right god you led me into this so everything's cool from now on no it's still awful notice number two storms will come and this was a great storm this was shocking to these guys keep going even when you're in the center of god's plan the storm made it seem like they didn't care. That Jesus didn't care. Now get this. Jesus said, let's get in the boat. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And the storm comes. And what do they do? Wake them up and say, don't you care that we're dying? Now again, I, I sleep soundly. I don't know if I would be sleeping in the bottom part of a ship full of water in a uh, great storm that's freaking out seasoned fishermen. Here's Jesus, sound asleep. And by the way, remember last week we talked about that the Son of God has no place to lay his head? Here he's sleeping on a pillow, just so you understand. We're not talking about Jesus never had a pillow. Okay. Two verses later or three verses later, we're talking about Jesus got a place to lay his head. Jesus is sound asleep. And they wake him up and say, don't you care? Now, as much as that seems pretty bold, I have said those same sort of words to God. I've looked at the ceiling and said, are you up there paying attention to what's going on down here? Come on, Lord, how come this is happening? Don't you get how bad this is killing us? (laughs) <laughs> exactly i have many times looked up and just said lord don't you care this was their approach to jesus don't you care that we're all about to die <laughs> keep going it drew them close to jesus God's desire for you and me and for every person on this planet is to have a relationship with him. He loves you and has a plan for you. He wants you to be close to him. And what's funny, and I talk about the kids, my kids growing up, and, uh, you know, there's a point in which you know, big thunderstorm, and mom and I were never really scared of them, so we didn't have this much. We, we know families a lot that, you know, if a thunderstorm comes and there's some lightning and thunder, the kids are freaking out, and they're in mom and dad's bed, you know. And dad's like, go back to bed. And mom's like, oh, come here, snuggle with mommy. But, you know, there's a point in which the kids grow to not have to worry about that anymore, and the thunder comes, and they're not running to mom and dad. But over and over and over, we see that you and I, when hardships come, we want to get close to someone who loves us. Because that's where we get our comfort. God never designed us to bear it alone. Well, you know what? The trials that come in our lives, the main reason that they come Now, I'm talking about trials. I'm not talking about, uh, well, I was uh, drunk and I got pulled over and now I got a ticket. This is such a terrible trial. No, you're an idiot, okay? Okay, that's not a trial. That's a stupid decision. But when hardships come, it's because God wants us to get close to him. If he's the one who can take care of the whole problem, if he's the one who's got a plan, if he's the one capable of saying, peace, be still then why wouldn't we go find him? You and I, I don't know what kind of storm you might be going through. Maybe it's smooth sailing for you right now. But if it's not and you've got a problem, an issue, remember the best place to be is close to the Lord. And don't ever accuse him of not caring. He knows exactly. He's got a plan for you. He loves you. Keep going. Their faith, was, their faith was tested in whether they would believe God's word. Now, over and over and over, we keep circling back to this fact that everything that God does is according to God's word. God said, let's go on to the other side, and they doubted. That's your, oh, well, that's what Jesus said we were going to do. Well, I guess that's not happening. You know what? Trust the word of God. It always is true. Always. And they doubt it. And that's why Jesus said, O ye of little faith. Do we really think that these seasoned fishermen who are seeing this whopper of a storm and freaking out, that Jesus is saying, "Oh, little faith, because they're frightened? No. He said, oh, ye of little faith, because they didn't believe him. That's the key. If you and I would put faith in his word, yeah, trials are going to come. And it doesn't mean just, I have faith. Oh, trial, where'd you go? No, believe that God has a plan, and he's working his plan. Now, again, I would love to have seen when Jesus stood up and said, peace be still, and everything went whoosh. That would have been awesome. I've had some trials in my life where I've said, Lord, could you just say, peace, be still? And take it all away? But either way, I've got to trust that he's got a plan, and he's doing what he thinks I should go through. Keep going. It revealed more about God's power to deliver. Please, remember, this is the focus. The entire gist of this story is Jesus is able to deliver you he's able to deliver you from a storm but more importantly he's able to deliver you to the other side physically the coastline of the sea of Galilee spiritually heaven someday Jesus is the one who is able to deliver okay and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and uh, Dan and I were talking this morning about the fact the tense that this is written in is that it's already peaceful Jesus just says there's peace they just couldn't see it because their eyes were focused on the storm if we trust God and believe his word even through the midst of it he says guys peace And just to prove it, everything stopped. His point wasn't after the waves stopped, there's peace. The way this is worded means it's still just peace. Even in the midst of all this, there's peace. You know, the Bible talks about we have peace that passes understanding. That we can be in the midst of something tragic and just go, that's all right. I got peace. Doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I'm oblivious just means I know that Lord's got it into control and I'm good keep going they feared the Lord more than the storm did you catch that he says why are you fearing O ye of little faith and it said and now they were filled with exceeding fear because they said what kind of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him You know what? There's a lot of verses in the Bible. I popped a couple up here to talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not going to fear what men can do unto me. You want to have a healthy fear in your life? Understand that the Lord is in control of the entire universe. He's the one that I'm in awe of. Man, I was down there helping my parents clean up after the hurricane. I was just shocked by the power of the storm. How just whole neighborhoods were just demolished. That pales. That's just nothing compared to the power of my God. And that's why if you noticed on all those things we were reading about God and his glory, it just said, oh Lord, thou art mighty, thou art strong, thou art... The psalmist knew. Man, there's some things in this world that happen, but nothing is more powerful than God. Let's read this next piece together. Go ahead, Kim. Fear. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. You know what? I'm in awe of my God, but you know what? I don't fear him because I know he loves me. I know know there's things going to happen in my life, but I know that if I just trust in the Lord, I can have peace keep going 2nd Timothy Dan already covered this so I'm not stealing his thunder God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind Hebrews so we may uh, uh, say boldly or boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me they changed from fearing the storm to fearing the Lord they really realized who had the power who was the mighty one so here's the last thought <clears throat> well almost the last thought. Um, we will go through the storms in our lives do you trust him do you now that's easy to say when we're not in the storm but when you're right smack in the middle of the storm He's got a plan, and if you believe his word because of how powerful and mighty he is, you can say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't like it. Matter of fact, this really stinks, but I trust you. Do you believe his word? Because again, everything he does is based upon his word. What do you fear? Do you fear the storm and the circumstances? Do you fear the trials and the headaches? Or do you have a fear of the lord and know he's the one who's got all the power jesus is the master of all the universe trust him he can see you through he can see you through a storm here in this life he can see you through to the other side if you accept him as savior last little bit this is the last little bit i promise i hope <laughs> having therefore these promises dearly beloved Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. God has a plan. He's working it. Do you trust him? God can get you to the other side, either the other side of the trial that you're going through right now, but ultimately and doctrinally, the full picture is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, can get you through The separation between us and God. He is the one who will bring us to the other side. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, make sure that's taken care of. He is the only one who can bring you to the throne of God someday. But folks, um, you and I have been through some trials. We understand I don't fear what man can do. I don't feel the fear of the storm. But the fear of the Lord should cause something to happen in my life. What's that something it should cause to happen in my life? That I should cleanse myself. We just saw this in Sunday school this morning. That being faithful to the Lord versus denying the Lord is evidenced out in how you live your life. If you live your life as someone who is not a Christian, even though you are, you're not interested in doing that, are you denying the Lord? bible says here if you really fear the lord not the storm not all the other circumstances if you have a healthy fear of the lord we ought to be cleaning up our lives and living like it god loves you he has a plan for you trust him believe his word and live like we're one of his amen let's pray heavenly father i thank you for your word and Lord, I really, I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what people are going through today. Maybe it's been a great week. Things are going fantastic and we can rejoice that we know the master of the universe. Or Lord, maybe somebody here today is going through a, trouble, a struggle, a trial. There's a storm. And Lord, they're looking up to heaven wondering why. Well, Father, we can be sure that you have a plan and we can trust you. And Lord, whatever it is that you'd have us to go through, you will get us there. It may not be where we thought we were headed. It may not be the way we thought we would get there. But you will always accomplish your plan. And Father, maybe there's somebody here today who didn't realize that uh, yeah, you love us and have a plan for us, but we've got a problem. We can't Head for that perfect heaven because we're sinners we can't fulfill this plan in our lives because we got a sin problem maybe they didn't don't realize that the lord jesus christ is here to deliver them from that sin he came to this earth for the purpose of being the lamb of god that taketh away the sins of the world and so father you want every single person to be close to you and lord because we can receive jesus's full payment for our sins we have the ability to be close to you again father help them realize that jesus is the only one he said i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me father and last thought was if we really do fear you and understand who you are as mighty god master of the universe We ought to be putting away the filth of this flesh and living like your children and making a difference in our lives so people can see who we truly believe in, evidenced out in our daily walk. Father, thank you so much for your word. A lot of deep stuff today, a lot of verses, a lot of thinking. But Lord, it is amazing to understand that you are the only one who can bring us to the other side. Someday there's going to be a brand new heaven and a new earth and we're going to stand before you at your throne Only because Jesus Christ is the one that can get us there. Father, thank you so much. Lord, be with our time of fellowship here in a few minutes at the picnic, but at the same time, Lord, we're about to share the Lord's Supper. It's that first Sunday of uh, the month, and we take communion together. So, Lord, the key is what we always do is examine our own hearts to make sure that we are right with you, to make sure that Lord, there's not something we've been hanging on to that we needed to deal with. Basically, Lord, we sit down at a dinner table here with you in a minute and check to see how things are going. Father, I just pray that you'd bless this time. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.